Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Well, if you'd like to turn in your Bible, please, to the, the, the uh, passage that we're going to be considering tonight, which is Genesis 22. Genesis 22, this is going to be more than a one-part message. I'm not sure how many it's going to be, but I know it's not going to finish tonight. So Genesis 22 is our passage here, and uh, Genesis 22, starting verse 1, and let's just pray first. Father, thank you so much for being a God of love and forgiveness and mercy and pardon and everything that we're not. And so we thank you, Lord, for, for, for being this for us. Lord Jesus, we long to hear your voice in our hearts and our souls tonight. And so, Lord, we pray, speak, Lord, or speak, friend, your friend hears in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Genesis 22 here in, uh, in verse 1, and uh, here we go. Genesis 22, 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did Tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. Now, you remember that when we were last together here, that we looked at that what it means to be a friend of God, and we saw that there were five characteristics that make up a friend of God. We saw, first of all, that friends trust each other, and a friend of God trusts God. A friend of God, friends talk, friends talk with each other, and a friend of God talks openly with God in prayer and listens to God as he reads the Bible. Friends love to find out what it is that would make the other happy, and then they give they give. We've just been talking about, as Jason says, we're going to worship the Lord by giving. And friends of God, give to God. And then friends just like to hang out with each other. They like to be with each other. So friends love to be with each other. And a friend of God likes to be with God. And then a friend stands up. A friend has the back of his friend. A friend stands up. He protects. And a friend of God stands up for God. And as being a friend, we saw that Abraham was our hero. 
He was the hero when it comes to being a friend of God. We saw that in the Second Chronicles 20, verse 7. Second Chronicles 20, verse 7, where it spoke about Abraham when it said, Art now thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend forever. Abraham was God's forever friend. Now, we're gonna see now, as we look into this passage here, how God tests his forever friend, Abraham, in this amazing history. And right away in the first verse, we see it says there in verse 21, it says, God did tempt Abraham. Now, it says that, but the word tempt, it's not a good choice for the Hebrew word nasah. I wouldn't have chosen this English word tempt for nasah, but again, no one asked me, no one ever asked me, so what can I do? But the better English word for nasah is the word prove or test. And the reason is because tempt and test or tempt and prove, they have two different connotations. When you say tempt, what you're doing is what's happening in a temptation is it's appealing to the worst side of a person with the goal for that person to do wrong. That's why it says in James 1.13, James 1.13, let no man say, When he is tempted, I am tempted from God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But on the other hand, when you look at the word approve or test, that appeals to the better side of a person with the goal to get that person to be stronger and to stand and not fall. Temptation has these words. Temptation says, just do it. Temptation says, just do this enjoyable thing and don't get all hung up with the fact that it's wrong thing to do. Whereas proving and testing says a different word, so the proving and testing says, just do this right thing and don't get all hung up with the fact that it's painful. Now, so God is in the proving business, he's not in the tempting business, because he wants to see us, he wants to see, he wanted to see Abraham succeed and stand up through the trial, and the same is for us. God wants to prove us so that he'll make us stronger, we'll become stronger. And God, but when, when he did this, he, this tempting here, he didn't sort of sit back and say, well, you know, this is gonna be good, let's watch and see what's Abraham. Not at all. He engaged, God engaged, and he helped Abraham by being with Abraham through this trial. And that's the same with us. When God sends us into a trial or a testing God is right there with us. And that's what it says in Isaiah 43, 2. Isaiah 43, 2. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. So we can be fearless because of one name for God, Emmanuel, God with us. Because I will be with thee is what that says in in Isaiah 43, 2. And that's how we can look at trials and say, I'm not afraid, I'm not scared because I have my Emmanuel with me, I have God with me. Now, so God starts this testing with a very personal call to Abraham. He calls out Abraham's name, Abraham, uh, Abraham. And then Abraham answers with a signature response to God. This is a signature response that Abraham gave when he said, behold, here I am. That's a signature response for Abraham. Now, I don't want you to read that and think that Abraham was saying, hey, I'm over here, I'm over here, just look over here. That's not what he was saying. This was a signature response of Abraham because in Hebrew, it's a very important word, it's the word hineni. And literally, hineni means behold uh, me, behold I. What he's really saying when he says hineni is he's saying, 
I'm at your service. Yes, what can I do? Yes, friend, what is your wish? What is your desire? Because I delight to do that. See, that's, that's what, don't you just love it when you go into to some customer service and they say, how can I help you? Or in Britain with their British accent, they say, yeah, I can't do it. How can I help? That's what they say. How can I help? This is the essence of what hineni means. It's an expression of a, of a willingness, a, a loyal willingness of what's required. It's the same as saying, your wish is my command. That's what's encapsulated in the meaning of the word hineni. And the response of hineni was that Abraham was known for, that was Abraham was the hineni person in the Bible. And you remember last time we were talking about this, how, how a friend loves to give to his friend. He just wanted to find out what is it? What is it? Tell me, Hineni. So it's the desire. It's the desire to sincerely find out in order to do it, to make you happy. So every time you see Abraham say Hineni, or as it is in our Bible, behold, here I am, that's Abraham saying, I really want to know what your wish is so I can do it. That's Hineni. That's friendship with God. We want to be those kind of people. We want to be Hineni people like Abraham. We people who open up their Bible and they say, speak, friend, for your friend hears. And we open up our Bible, we want to say, speak, friend, for your Hineni friend hears. See, seeing Hineni in verse 1 shows us what this whole passage is all about. Why? Because God called to Abraham in verse 1. Abraham replies, Hineni, Hineni God, Speak, speak, Lord, your friend hears. You want, I want to make you happy. I want to do what you want, want me to do. Hineni. The rest of the whole chapter stems from that word, Hineni, where he's saying, I want to do what you want. It's as if Abraham said to God, Hineni, and then God said to Abraham, Really? That's what the whole chapter is about. Really? Hineni. Really, Abraham? Are you really a Hineni friend who wants to do what I want, Abraham? I will test that. I will prove that. That's what this whole chapter is. People look at this chapter and they say, what is going on here? God is asking a man to kill his son? I thought the heathen did that. No, this all goes back to Abraham's response to God when he said, I, and he said, Hidani, I want to do what you want. And God said, okay, we're going to test that out. And when you say to God, I want to do what you want me to do, when you say, in essence, Hidani to God, God's going to say, Really? We'll test that out with a trial that'll make you stronger. And when we sing hymns like these great hymns of I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all, God, God, God may say, really? Let's find that out. And so now comes the, the, the really, and that's the rest of the chapter. It's all gonna flow from here, where God is saying to, to, to Abraham, really, verse two, and he said, take now thy son. Really, Abraham, you really wanna do what I want? Okay, take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, Get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Now, in that verse, there are seven points, like points of a dagger, that are very, very hard for Abraham. This is what makes up the trial, these seven points. First, he says to Abraham, Abraham, take, you take. Here God is telling Abraham that you are to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham had a lot of servants, but there was no one else that was going to offer Isaac except Abraham. God did not tell Abraham that Isaac was going to become fatally ill and that he was going to die But in that way. But no, Abraham was going to lose Isaac, but Abraham was going to lose Isaac because Abraham himself was going to take the life of Isaac. Second is the word now. He says, take now. And with that word, God was telling Abraham, no delays. You are not to delay. 
You're not to have any, don't take time to think this over, but God is calling for an immediate action here. And then third, he says that, he gives the description of Isaac, he says, thy son. This is Isaac, thy son. Abraham knew that Isaac was his son. He didn't need God to tell him that. But when he did that, there was an emphasis that, look, Abraham, I know this is your child. I know that you've poured your life into this child. I know that Isaac is different from Ishmael because Isaac has your heart. He has your heart for God. So God told Abraham that he was to take thy son, thy son. Fourth, he said, he went on and he said, a description of Isaac, he said, thine only son, thine only son. Now, God made a promise. Actually, God made the promise in Genesis 18, really talking about Sarah. He says, Sarah, your wife, is gonna have a son, and Sarah, and to have a child with Abraham, not Hagar. He didn't come in and talk about Hagar. And so Isaac was the right son. Isaac was the son that was right as far as God was concerned, and Isaac, therefore, was Abraham's only son. In all of Abraham's life, he had yearned to have a son, and he watched others have son, have sons, and it just he just went on and on without a son, without a child, for a hundred years with no son. You and I would have given up at, at years 80, probably, but... <laughs> Finally, after a 100 years, Abraham has the son, and so God then calls Isaac, thine only son. And that was a hard thing for Abraham. And then God says that God then calls Isaac the son whom thou lovest, whom thou lovest. You know, it's hard for us really to imagine the love that existed between Abraham and Isaac. But in the times when, when, when Abraham would go on long walks with Isaac, Why? Because Isaac is identified for us as the man that went out into the field to meditate. He was a meditating person. And how they would talk about God during those times and all during those times, just culture, strong love between Abraham the father and Isaac his only son. And God God saw that special love and he called it out and he says, I'm talking about Isaac whom thou lovest. And the sixth point, God had told Abraham that Isaac was not just, was to be offered as a burnt offering, as a burnt offering. That that meant that Abraham was not just to kill Isaac, but he was to burn him up into a pile of ashes. And that was hard for Abraham. And then seventh, God tells Abraham, go to an area, a region called the land of Moriah, and offer Isaac there, as he says here, on one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. One of the mountains that I will tell thee of? This is, God, this is so important. Do you have to be so nonchalant about it? I mean, uh, we can imagine the turmoil in Abraham's heart over this command to offer Isaac. And then we can imagine that, you know, Abraham, at least to have, I'd like to have some measure of security to tell me exactly where, where Isaac is going to be offered. So while I'm traveling, at least I can know which mountain I'm going to come to when I'm going to offer Isaac. I mean, it was natural for Abraham just not to want to be shocked by the surprise of it all by God telling him, okay, here we are. This is the mountain. Go ahead. So this left Abraham with, with every mountain that he would come in. He was thinking, is this the mountain that I'm going to offer my son on? But God just told Abraham, Abraham, just start the trip to Moriah. More information will come later about which mountain Isaac is going to be, is going to die on. It's hard. It was hard for Abraham. But Abraham was used to this kind of uncertainty because after all, this is how Abraham's life with God got started in the first place with this uncertainty when God called Abraham in Genesis 12.1. In Genesis 12.1, and it says, now the Lord had said to Abram, 
Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Lech lacha. Lech lacha means walk, you walk. God is saying, walk, you walk. Lech lacha. And when God did that at the first, told Abraham to just to leave the country. And if you were to meet Abraham, you say, Abraham, where are you going? And Abraham would have responded, I don't know. And if you asked him, say, well, why are you going? Why are you leaving your country? Why are you with this great refusal, your country, your home, and so forth? Then Abraham really had only one response. There was just only one thing that Abraham could say. And Abraham would say, God asked me to. That's why I'm leaving because God asked me to. Abraham's response, if he was asked why he was leaving, of because God asked me to, was all he needed. You know, it reminds me of the time, maybe I've told you this before, I don't remember. But anyway, uh, when John and Diana and I from Scanabodies, we were going to Ethiopia to shut down uh, our little operation there and leave Africa once and for all. We had, we, we had been so financially taken advantage of by the African builders, and we couldn't find a builder that was honest, basically. And so we had a 12-acre compound, first order in a, in a 95%, it is, a 95% Muslim area. So, you know, we just needed a little wall. It had to be a half a mile long, nine feet tall. It had to be one foot solid thick, one foot thick solid concrete around our 12-acre compound in Ethiopia. And so the builder came and he said, okay, that's going to cost you $200,000. Well, it wasn't two weeks hardly that went by. And he says, I'll make that $400,000. And then two weeks later, he says, look, just let's stop all this. It's just going to be over a million. I can't tell you how much. That was it. And so we said, okay, we're giving up. We're giving up. We're not going to. If anybody wants to go to Ethiopia for business reasons, I know a good psychiatrist. A good idea. But we were going there to bring the gospel to the Muslims, to the Ethiopians there. And that's why we're there. And so, but that point with the builders and everything, and we decided to give up. We decided to leave. We were gonna, that was it. John and Diana and I were in Nairobi airport early one morning. We were on our way to Ethiopia. We were gonna close down everything. We were gonna leave Africa. That was it. And we were angry, just to be very honest. We were angry. We just wanted out. And I was standing there in the Nairobi, in the beginning there, the entrance to our terminal where there was a security station. Everybody had to put their luggage and through the belt and the x-ray machine and show the passports. And and I was standing there, and, and I kind of uh, was sort of daydreaming, and I was watching this American family. There was a husband and a wife and three small children, and it was all very amusing to me to watch this, this scene in front of me because the father, he's trying to collect all the passports. Their luggage is falling on the ground, coming off the scanner. He's going, oh, no. The wife is trying to get the kids together like herding cats, and they're just you know going all over the place. So I was watching it. I said, this is kind of nice. It's comic relief. For me, you know, I was thinking, I was kind of enjoying it. I was very amused over it. You know, I thought, okay, this makes me forget about, you know, my problems. But anyway, and so I went over to the mother and I just, you know, I thought it was so funny. And I said, oh, so where are you from? And she said, Iowa. And I said, oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. You're from Iowa. Good. Where are you going? And she said, Sudan. She said, Sudan. It hit me like a, light, like a lightning bolt. I heard Sudan, the amusement. All the amusement I had turned back to my anger with Africa. And I just let out this angry. And I started yelling, Sudan. I said, Sudan, are you out of your mind? I said, in Sudan, they don't talk with words. They talk with bullets. And I said, why would you bring your young children to Sudan and get them killed? Why? And, you know, because I was leaving Africa and that was really something. And I guess I was making kind of a scene 
And everybody was looking at me, you know, this, what is this guy doing yelling at this young woman and asking, I was like, why would you take your young family to Sudan? Why, why, why? And the woman was in shock at my behavior. And she just looked up to me and she said, because God asked us to. <laughs> I have an altar for repentance here in this uh, airport. I need that right now. Is there an altar around? And... Um, it was a dagger to my heart. And uh, everybody heard it. And John and Deanna and I all heard it. And uh, we boarded the plane for the two-hour flight to Ethiopia. That was the most quiet flight we've ever had. N- not one of us said a word to each other. We were in absolute silence, total silence. And the only thing we kept hearing in our minds was because God asked us to. And we realized God asked us to come to Ethiopia. And when that plane touched down in Ethiopia, the three of us, without talking to each other, were all convinced that we knew we got to stay in Ethiopia. We don't know how. We have to stay here because God asked us to. And we knew we had to stay. And we didn't know how God's going to help us, but we just determined to stay. So we went down the two-and-a-half-hour drive down to our 12-acre site, stood there on the land, no walls, no wall, no building, no builder. We're just standing there wondering, what are we going to do? How can we stay And then all of a sudden, a man with a white baseball cap, he comes out of the polio clinic across the road, and he starts walking across the road, and he comes up to us in a very low voice. He says, so I hear you need a builder of a wall and some buildings. And uh, we said, yeah. He says, well, he says, "Uh, I'll build them all for you. So uh, we said, oh, yeah, okay. All right, here we go again. I said, how much money do you want? And he says, nothing. He said, I'll do it for free. We said, nothing? Why would you build for nothing? He says, because you're the first foreign investor to come to my city, and our people need jobs, and I want you to stay, and I'll build all these buildings and your wall for you for nothing. Well, that, we didn't know who that man was, but that man was a very important man and revered in the city. Of, his name was Bakela, and he would have been the principal of the high school, so he knew everybody in the place, and he was the master builder that had built the local hospital and the, the only bridge in the city. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. 
Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.